every good rhyme starts with once upon a time. Long ago, far away, centuries before our day, humans lived, monsters roamed, both shared earth and sky as home. Yet this peace came undone, war was waged and humans won. Welcome to Literary License Podcast, Book to Screen, Once Upon a Time episode. Exploring children's classics whilst losing our innocence along the way. Welcome to the Literature License Podcast. This is Book to Screen. We'll be covering the book and watching the film. And this month we're doing Watership Down by Richard Adams and the film from the 1970s. Before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We've got Leandro Gazzi with us. Hello, Leandro. Hello, everyone. And Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to, starting with you, Leandro. What have we been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, well, I have I, I, will, I, I really like happy to share this. I have a friend who has his birthday in December. So he wanted to go to Brighton, which is the coast of here in UK. So I went there and they have uh, arcades machines. You know what arcades? Yep. And I imagine you have seen a movie called Big. Oh, you got the Zorro guy. You did the thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did the thing. I don't know. I don't know how this is done, but what I, what says here, I would say that it's a bit accurate about me. But the funny thing is that here give you the lucky numbers of the month, right? So it give you six numbers, and I play them in the on the lottery, and I won thirty pounds. <laughs> hey, can oh, I have those cool. numbers for over here? <laughs> you want the numbers? Yes. <laughs> I can pass it. I, I will pass them later. Uh, don't do but, it over the air. Give them to me when you're done. I'll try yeah. anything. I'll even split it. With you. It was really cool. From, <laughs> it was really funny because I saw that machine and I was a bit. That is so in, funny. I was a bit embarrassed to go and do it. But at the same time, I wanted to do it because of this movie. And I love that movie, Big. I love that movie. I was in the walking around the arcade and I found a pound on the floor. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to use this pound to, to do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Man. So having uh, that birthday, uh, celebrating Christmas with this friend. Um, what else? Working during the school break. I've been painting walls, and cleaning and blah, blah, blah. Um, it has been raining here for solid, I would say, maybe 10 days or more. No, has it been raining that bad? Yeah. Really bad. No yeah, wonder yeah. Tom Day is ready to swallow a bottle of pills every time I see him. <laughs> Here, where I live, the the, the there were a lot, a lot of floodings. Um, 
But now it has stopped raining, so I imagine everything is getting. Well, it's that time of year over there. It's just dark. Well, we're it's expecting dark. a. We're, um, they've been warning us, and apparently it's going to happen on the eighth. Wow. So we're expecting a thing called a snow bomb. Oh no, shit! That affects five hundred and fifty mile radius. That should be interesting. Well, it's probably I think it's probably that nor'easter coming off the coast of the United States. I didn't know what I mean. I didn't know. I didn't know what a snow bomb was. What is it? I've never heard of it before. Well, it's sort of like a down downburst, but it's it's snow. You just gotta get so, hammered. So is, it, is it a bit like you? You know, it's a bit like growing up in upstate New York. You know, sometimes kind of. you're, you're we have snow on the snow we have snow on the roof, and then you like be standing underneath underneath the, like underneath the porch, and also all the snow goes <laughs> on top of you. Is it like that? Is that a snow I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what that's what that's gonna be like. So I'm, probably I'm, get a whole bunch of snow all at once, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I just never heard of it like a snow bomb. Like I've what? never I think you, I you think like, you I, blink you blink and the whole it's like I don't know, you look it outside and you blink and you and you after your blink the whole everything's covered in snow. Like <laughs> is that a snow bomb? So also, well, there's there's yeah, we there snow bombs are boy, they really can hammer on you. That doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm looking really at the video. Apparently that's what we're expecting. It says warning two hundred mile snow bomb hitting hitting the UK is a matter of when rather than if. It's gonna be a snow vortex polar dislocation. Okay. Yay. It's yeah. going to be bad. I hope, I, hope wherever, I hope I'm home when it happens. I don't want to be stuck. Go, go get bread and milk. <laughs> I don't want to be. No, I, I, I just don't want to be stuck at work. No, make sure you know. Yeah, that would really suck, especially in your last. You're almost out of there. Yeah, it's my last week. So but, you get um, stuck in there for <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, the weather's not quite bad. So what else do you got today, Andro? Um, I think. More or less that being having going to the gym. That's all. Well, that's off, Vix. What are you been up to? Yeah, well, I've been trying to avoid my gym for the first two weeks of January. You know, new year, new you people. I usually I try not to go as much. I'll go to the other one for a while because that way I see that at Planet Fitness we have weeded out the week after the first three weeks. You know how they always they get by there February, January, February not there. first. No I went anymore. to the gym. And there was people in there lifting weights like crazy. I go, that poor bastard, you gonna be a sore motherfucker. <laughs> oh. You probably hadn't worked out in 20 years. But be that as it may, you know, the more the merrier. Anyway, what did I watch? I watched this movie with Ethan Hawke called Daybreakers. I've never seen it before. It just kind of mm -hmm. popped up where they're all vampires and they have to come up with a solution like sun cures you. It's a hard, it's a hard, I kind of got into it. I kept watching it, obviously. It was a nice little sleeper movie. Started watching this series called, called Deadwood. I mean, you know, as if my language isn't bad enough, I'm going to be calling everybody a cocksucker for the next Because that, that's all they call each other in this series. Oh. Everybody's a cocksucker. <laughs> it's just like, God dang. But um, and I watched this really weird Hammer film. I wanted to watch it. and didn't usually hold my attention like the other Dracula movies, but it's called The Satanic Rites of Dracula with Christopher yeah. Lee. I don't know what the fuck was that about. I just still like, what the hell was I watching? I mean, I might have to go back in and watch it again because I was trying to figure out why we were in modern times and it was the same. I guess they were trying to bring him back or something. Yeah. It was just one of those weird hammer films that I think they were filler just to make a hammer film, you know? And I think that was just what that was. But 
And I started watching, um, I watched Rebel Moon, according to, to Joe, though. It was a Zack Snyder movie. Apparently, he just has no urge to watch Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> but I, it was boring. But I think if they make the sequel to it, it might actually pick up a little bit. It was like a setup or something else because it just, I didn't hate it. But I mean, I'm not going to die if I see, you know, I can't watch it again. And I watched it. Like, Huh? Home Alone? Home Alone? Every year. Every yes. year I watch Home Alone. Every year. And I did find this one. You might want to check it out on Netflix. It's just like, I, I couldn't stop laughing. Whoever's writing the script must have got the idea from the boys, but it's on Netflix and it's a lot more tamed down, but it's called Foo Bar. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, I just woke up early this morning and I started watching it. It's like eight episodes. I think it's a limited series fucking hysterical it's just fucking hysterical um arnold schwarzenegger is cia and uh, he's an operative and he's had to keep his life secret typical stuff for him but his daughter who he just loves to death is cia and he realized they both realize they're both cia and it just gets really convoluted but because he's always being dad you know it just gets messed up but whoever's writing the script has a great sense of humor so we're really quite enjoying that i think i'm up to four episode four that's how much of it i watched this morning because it's so goddamn funny. But other than that, we're just chilling. The holidays are over. Trying to get back to normal. Starting to make plans about going home and seeing the folks. All that other good stuff. But, you know, spring is around the corner. Hopefully. Yeah, it's January. I'm ready for spring. Please come back. But not much. Other than that, what about you, Keith? Um, uh, I've watched Fargo, finished Fargo. So the last I, I meant to watch that this way. Keep Bloody forgetting. brilliant. I keep forgetting Bloody to watch brilliant. it. It's, to me, it's, it's the the best of them all. Really? Um, Even the movie? Yeah, I love, I mean, I love this. The best. This is the best season. And I can understand why it won, won for a bunch of awards. I can understand that now. What's it got? Two or three seasons out right now? Two? Five, five seasons. Five seasons? That many? Yeah. Because no I, I watched it from the beginning, and it's like you know. And the thing is, I I didn't see the Chris Rock season. So see, I, I didn't I, even know about this till I saw it the other day ago. I didn't know yeah. there was a series about Fargo. It just looks great, so, and I keep meaning to watch uh, it. All of them are fantastic. Every season's fantastic, and they just get better and better. Season, um, the Chris Rock one, season four, excellent. It just didn't have the quirkiness that the other ones had. So, but, but it was still brilliant. I can't fault. John Hamm through the whole thing or is he only one season or. The, every, every actor is only in for one season. They're different. Stories. Okay. So he did one season too. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, I really love, I love his, I love everything he's in. I don't know oh, why. He is, he is a horrible fucking asshole. And is serious. he in this? I hate it when he's an asshole. Oh, but he does it. So he does it so well. Does he? Well, yeah, but so I highly recommended that. That was excellent. Julia season two is, I I sat up. Really I came Childs. Yeah, I. My I, father I, was laughing about that the other day. Go, they were watching. Me just loving it. My father. I well, I came I came home and watched it. Watched it because I love season one. Season one was brilliant. I mean, you have a fantastic cast. You got Sarah Lancaster, who was over here, who did um, Happy Valley. She won all these awards for that. She plays Julia Child. She's brilliant. David Hyde Pierce from Frasier. B.B. Newler from Frasier and from um, Cheers. Uh, That's Isabel Isabella Rossellini. Okay. Um, she's in it. Um, but uh, brilliant. I mean, 
the whole. I mean, season one was, was kind of. She was just season. fun to watch. She's fun to the, watch. But the thing is, is like you don't realize about how advanced she was. Because thing is, okay, I mean, I, I mean, I, when I grew up with her, I was talking. You know, people made fun of her on Saturday Night Live. They did. They stuff. did. But I didn't realize is that she was the first cooking show. And she also had the first black. It was the cooking. first cooking show. Yeah, I thought the Galloping Gourmet was the first. No, one. she was way before them. Um, and then um, she had the first black female producer ever. Shit. Um, she um, she brought female. She had she did more. She did more for female rights in, in media than anyone ever did before. Uh, and, and and people made and all all anyone did was make fun of her because she she was six five. She was a she was an unusual looking woman. She was and um woman. and everything like that. But the thing is, she always shows such kindness for everybody, and she just made everyone. She did have that kind of vibe about her, though. She just didn't seem like yeah. she was ornery at all. Martha Stewart has a mean streak, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, especially after the first. Julia Child's <laughs> just never demonstrated that, you know. But, but, you know, so when I watched the first season, it's like, what I love about it is, like, you watch it, and you smile, and you think, and it touches you. Every single episode touches you, and the season two is the same, and, and they hit some hard issues and stuff like that, like, when she went to the It's wild. not sad, though, because I avoided it, because it looked like it was going to be sad, and I just didn't. No, it's not at all. No, there's so many funny moments, and so much, it's so well put together, and, um, you know, there, there's a part where, the, you know, she goes to the White House, and it's the first time the White House did a you know, a PBS thing. Right. So she goes, you know, she goes to the White House and the thing is, she's not allowed to participate because she's a woman. Wow. She did the filming, but it, it's... have definitely changed. And, you know, and what we were talking about before the show, which we won't go into again, but, um, you know, about how the government um, under Herbert Hoover was investigating her for being a communist and all that was going they on. They were and investigating how, and how they, everybody for being a communist. Yeah, and, and the whole that network and how she how she got out of it was very clever. So, but it's, oh really? Uh, Maybe I'll have to start watching it because watch I just, it. It's one of the best. I mean, I, I mean, it's one of the best show for me. I just watch it and I smile and I. Well, I never it. see anything that moves you that much. So, you know, when I see that you're actually moved by something, I'm going to have to watch. Well, I, I mean, I put it on when it came, it, it showed on here, they played all the, all the episodes are available. So I came home, watched it from the time I got home. And I basically went to bed at three o'clock because I watched every single episode because I can, I love it. Binge so, watch the whole thing. Then watched the whole thing and I had to go to work trying to keep my eyes open. So that was quite good. And then, um, anything else I've been watching? Um, well, we, the trade traders, um, just started on BBC here, which is an excellent game show, which we love. Which they get all these, there's like twenty three people, and they got three to four traders. That and the other ones are called faithful. The faithfuls have to find out the trader while the trader kills off each one of them each night. Which That's one? What, what's that? Called, called traders. They did a U. They did a U.S. version with Alan Cummings hosting it. Excellent. I haven't. I haven't seen it. I haven't. Uh, seen it. Give it a shot. It's if you want to know about what, what people are like. It's really well What's done. What's it called? Traders. Traders, like traitor or trading. Yeah. Traitors. Okay. Basically, they got to find the person who's killing them off. So before they get killed off, and then um, I'm and watching then Squid Games. Yeah, <laughs> Squid Games. <yeah. laughs> but, um, but they have but the, the the plot basically is that at the end they can win all this money. But the thing is, if they don't, if it's 
if there's, it comes down, there's two people and they, and they got to find out if there's two faithful left, then they can split the money. But there's a trader left and they don't think that other person's a trader. The trader gets everything. Wow. So, so that gets whittled down and whittled. And the thing is that people think, I mean, last year, I can give you a little bit of last, last year, this woman, she was a trader and she, you know, she was friends with everyone and no one knew that she's a trader and, you know, she's playing the game and it came down to these, down to three of them and, um, and the trader won and the look on their face because everything that she told these people and they thought they, I mean, these people are living together for like four weeks oh, and, God, every, and, every, and everything was a lie and they, and it's like, and the look on this girl's face because you know she, she thought that they're going to split the money together. She had to convince them we'll split this money together and like this. And the devastation that, her, that who she thought was her best friend was, basically was stabbing her in the back all the way through. So it's an excellent show for that. I mean, you know, if I mean, it's, it's I don't know if I want to be part of that experience myself. But watching it, watching people's lives go to shit, it's wonderful to watch. I quite like that show. So well, it's always but, nice being an outsider observing somebody else's life go to shit, as yeah. long as it isn't mine. <laughs> but then I watched. A, there's a couple of things I watched on Disney Plus. I watched Candy, which is about Candy Montgomery, which um we had Jack, Jessica Briel, um Melanie Lelinsky, and Justin Timberlake. It's about Candy Montgomery, and um, basically she has an affair with someone's husband, and the woman ends up dead. She's been axed to death, and whether she did it or not, excellent. Based on something? It was a true story, based on a true story. Because I went through based on a true story, because all of my true stories were they're a bit quirky, so you're kind of laughing, and even though they're horrendous, they're like, you know, you're kind of like surprised by it, but they're true stories. Another one I watched was um, The Truth About Pam, with I think Renata. I've seen that. That was on Par Paramount. That was excellent. And another excellent show that we watched was based on a true story, which has um, Kaylee Cuckoo in it from Big Bang Theory, the girl from that, and um, Sam Wasserman from The Mindy Project, right. Chris, Chris Wasserman, and Bate. Go Chris Messina, sorry. And basically, what it's about is about this couple. She loves murder podcasts, <laughs> and he's a, like a failed um, tennis player. And so that I, so they grab all their money together because they need to get the the sink fixed. And a plumber shows up. Is this with the pregnant couple? Yeah, she's pregnant. Oh my god, I meant to start that. That looks really yeah. good. And basically, they find the plumber they become really good friends with can find out he's a serial killer, and they started to start a podcast. <laughs> they said it was based on a true story. I just like yeah, it's it called it. based on a true story. I don't think it's a true story, but the name of the series is called based on a true story. Yeah, it looks it uh, looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. One of those series that you start watching it. There's only eight episodes, and when it's over, you just want more. So yeah, I, I hate it when they're like limited limited series because those are usually the good ones. Yeah, it's well, like, it's coming why back is this season. limited? It's coming back for season two, so that's good. And Julia's got now been green light for season three, so so I'm happy. Something to look forward to next year. So I'm but just waiting for that. the boys to come out. When is the boys coming out? February, February, March, I think. Is it February, March? God, yeah. man, it seems like it's been an eternity. I love those. I don't know how they that that is some of the most brilliant script writing. I know it's brass. I know it's heinous, but it is some of the funniest shit I have ever seen. 
even the spinoff series was excellent. And even the animated The animated is brutal. Oh my god. <laughs> I was watching the anime. It's like, Ash, you can't watch this, man. <laughs> can't excellent. watch it. Not for kids. Definitely uh, not for kids. Definitely an adult swim. So. Brilliant. Well, this brings us to Watership Down, which is an adventure novel by English author Richard Adams. It was published by Rex Collings Limited of London in 1972. Set in Hampshire in southern England, the story features on a small group of rabbits. Although they live in their natural wild environment with burrows, they're athromorphized, possessing their own culture, language, proverbs, poetry, and mythology. Evoking epic themes, the novel follows the rabbits as they escape the destruction of their warren and seek a place to establish a new home, the hill of Watership Down, encountering perils and temptations along the way. Watership Down with, was Richard Adams' debut novel. It was rejected by several publishers before Collins accepted the manuscript. The published book then won the annual Carnegie Medal, annual Guardian Prize, and other book awards. The novel was adapted into two animated feature films in 1978 and from 1999 to 2001, an animated children's television series. In 2018, a drama of the story was made, which both aired in the UK and was made available on Netflix. Adams completed a sequel almost 25 years later in 1996 called Tales from Watership Down, constructed a collection of 19 short stories about Alaria, and the rabbits of the watership down Warren. We're going to do is cut to the synopsis and be right back. This is the plot synopsis for Watership Down by Richard Adams, Part One: The Journey. In the Sandalford Warren, Fiverr, a runt buck rabbit who is a seer receives a frightening vision of his warrant's imminent destruction. He and his brother Hazel fail to convince the Ferraro, their chief rabbit, of the need to evacuate. They then try to convince the other rabbits, but only succeed in gaining five followers, all bucks. Captain Holly of the Sandalford Wasa, the warrant's military caste, accuses the group of fomenting a dissentation against the Ferrara and tries to stop them from leaving, but is driven off. Once out of the world, the traveling group of rabbits finds itself following the leadership of Hazel, who has been considered an unimportant member of the Warren before. The group travels far through dangerous territory. Bigwig and Silver both form Asaya and the strongest rabbits among them to protect the others, helped by the ingenuity of Blackberry, the cleverest rabbit, and Hazel's good judgment. Along the way, they cross the river Anborn and evade a badger, a dog, a crow, and a car. Hazel and Bigwig also stop three rabbits from attempting to return to Sandalford Warren. A rabbit named Cowslip invites Hazel's group to join his warren, where a farmer leaves food for the rabbits and shoots all the predators. Fiverr senses death and deception in the new warren, but the rest of Hazel's group, enjoying the peace and good food, decide to ignore both Fiverr's warning and the strange and evasive behavior of the new rabbits. Later, Bigwig is caught in a snare, only surviving the ordeal thanks to Blackberry and Hazel's quick thinking. Fiverr deduces the truth and admonishes the rest in a wild lecture. The farmer feeds and protects the rabbits so he can harvest them for meat and skins, so Cowslip's rabbits invite the guests into their warren to increase their own odds of survival. 
The Sandalford rabbits, badly shaken, continue on their journey. They are joined by Strawberry, a buck who deserts Cowslip's Warren. Part 2 on Watership Down Fiverr's visions instruct the rabbits to seek a home atop the hills. The group eventually find and settle in Beach Hanger, a wood-wooded hill on Watership Down. While digging the new warren, they are joined by Captain Holly and his friend Bluebell. Holly is severely wounded and both rabbits are ill from exhaustion, having escaped both the violent destruction of Sandalford worn by humans and attacked by Cowslip's rabbits along the way. Holly's ordeal has left him a changed rabbit, and after telling the others that Fiverr's terrible vision has come true, he offers to join Hazel's band in whatever way they will have him. Although Watership Down is a peaceful habitat, Hazel realizes that with all the buck rabbits and no does, the warren will soon die out. With the help of their useful new friend, a black-headed gull named Kaher, they discover a nearby warren called Arafa, which is overcrowded. Hazel sends a small embassy, led by Holly, to Ephra to present the request for does. Meanwhile, Hazel and Pimpkin, the smallest members of the group, scout the nearby Nuthanger farm where they find a rabbit hutch. Despite their uncertainty about living wild, the four hatch rabbits are willing to come to Watership. Two nights later, Hazel leads a raid on the farm where he frees two does and a buck from the hutch. Hazel is wounded in the leg by the farmer's shotgun and presumed dead. However, Fiverr's visions prompt him and Blackberry to return and rescue Hazel. When the embassy to Aphra returns soon after, Hazel and his rabbits learn that Aphra is a police state run by the ferocious despot General Woodward, who refuses to allow anyone to leave his warren. Holly and the other rabbits from the embassy have managed to escape with little more than their lives intact. Part 3. Afra. When they've been in Afra, Holly's group did meet Afron Doe named Hasale, who wishes to leave the warren and can recruit other does to join in the escape. Hazel and Blackberry devise a plan to rescue Hasale's group and bring them to Watership Down. Bigwig infiltrates Afra in the guise of a hissy, a wandering rabbit unattached to any warren. He is recruited into the Afron Afasa by Woodbort, while Hazel and the rest wait by the nearby river. With the help of K.R., Bigwig managed to free Hazarlay and nine other does, as well as condemn Hafara's prisoner named Blackbar. Woodward and his officers pursue them, but the watership rabbits and the escapees use a punt to float away down the river Test and escape. Part 4. Hazara Downriver, the punt strikes a bridge, killing one doe. Once the rabbits are back on shore, they begin the long journey home, losing one more doe to a fox along the way. As they near Watership, they come across Captain Campion and his Aphron patrol, who have been tracking them. Black Avar advises Hazel that the patrol must be killed to prevent them from reporting back to Woodwart, but Hazel spares them and sends them off. A few weeks later, Asala of Afra, led by Woodward himself, unexpectedly arrives to destroy the warren at Watership Down and take back the escapees. Fiverr experiences another vision, which gives Hazel the solution to the problem. While Big Fig defends the burrows by fighting and injuring Woodward in a narrow tunnel, preventing the rest of the Afrons from getting any further in, Hazel, Dandelion, and Blackberry return to Nuthanger's farm. They release Bob, the farmer's Labrador, leading him back to Watership Down to attack the Afrons. Woodward's followers flee the dog in terror, leaving Woodward to stubbornly stand his ground unobserved. Woodward's body is never found, and Gottrell, one of the former officers, continues to fervently believe that the general survived. After releasing the dog, Hayes was nearly killed by one of the farmhouse's cats. He is saved by young Lucy, the former owner of the escaped hatch rabbits, 
Upon returning to Watership, Hazel affects a lasting peace and friendship between the remaining Ephrons and the Watership Rabbits. Sometime later, Hazel and Campion, the intelligent new chief of Ephra, send rabbits to start a new warren at Caesar Bell to relieve the efforts of overcrowding at both their new warrens. The Epilogue As time goes on, the three warrens on the Downs prosper under Hazel, Campion, and Gonsrell, the respective chiefs, Woodwork never returns. He becomes a legend among the rabbits and a sort of boogeyman to frighten rabbits' kits. Cahir rejoins his colony, but continues to visit the rabbits every winter. He refuses to search for Woodwork, showing that even he still fears him. Years later, on a cold March morning, an elderly Hazel is visited by Elara, the legendary rabbit folk hero and spiritual prince of the rabbits. He invites Hazel to join his own Azwa, reassuring Hazel Watership's future success and prosperity. Leaving his friends and his physical body behind, Hazel departs Watership Down with Azura. And that is the synopsis for Watership Down by Richard Adams. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Legalizations Podcast. We're discussing Watership Down by Richard Adams. So, Leandro, what are your thoughts of Watership Down? I'm just thinking about, sorry, I'm just thinking about the little kids they let watch this the first time. <laughs> 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 and if I knew ever thought this was a child's movie. <laughs> 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 I know it's bad, but I can't stop laughing. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> um, what happened with this book? Um. I bought it, and I was telling some people that I know that I have to read this book, and all the people were saying, oh, no, it's really sad. You're going to cry. You're going to cry. So it took me a while to sit down and start to read it because I didn't want to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I like the book. I like how it's uh, written and how it's described, let's say, the worst thing by the rabbit. I, um, yeah, I would recommend it, but um, if I have to choose, probably I would like other other books, not not, not this one much. Don't know. I mean, what I quite like about Watership Down is I like that it has a lot of different themes in it, and it, oh yeah, and actually makes us reflect upon ourselves. But I also like that they put a lot of Greek mythology in it, like Cassandra yeah. is um is. Fairer and they can, but you know, what and it's almost like what would have happened if in Troy they listened to Cassandra right. and then and if they do listen to him and you know he gets them away because he, he has a power of foresight. And I and I quite like that. And I also like the way that the way that they handle man, and I like the 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 thing about man destroys everything it touches. Yeah, but I like but I like the way that it's handled because Mm-hmm. It, it's handled in a way that basically they're not like pointing a finger at us, say that we all need all men should be dead, but it's handled in such a way that you kind of look at it and you reflect on it and think to us, and then you think to yourself, like, yeah, we could do better, we should be doing better. And I quite like that, which is, I'm sure if this book was written today, it probably we probably that message probably would be you know hitting us over the head with a sledgehammer if it was written right. today, but I like the way that he did it because he did it in such a way that. You gotten to see what the the animals in their political way, but at the same time, the whole animals, the rabbits' political senses, are very much mirrored to what our 
politics and po political statuses in the way that we live anyway. You know, like if you, you know, the communistic part of, um, you know, some of the Warrens, the way they're run, Right. you know and we get to meet other warrens and stuff like this and how when things are good that you know we really you know if and I, the main message also i liked is that if, if something's too good to be true then there's something wrong and i like that <laughs> message because that's true if something's too good to be true then you should start questioning it because otherwise if
But the thing is, okay, yeah, I mean, the females are needed to reproduce and stuff like this. But if you look at the female roles, I mean, there's that one female rabbit who is a rebel. In, yeah, in she's a total world. independent, crazy female rabbit that wants better. Yeah. So, you know, I do have to think that sometimes I think that people look at one thing instead of looking at the whole thing. They just look at one small thing. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, oh, what a bunch of. I don't idiots. understand why that is. He's sort of like we got a feminist redoing a new Star Wars movie, and I'm not going to get into it too much. But she wants to make a movie that's going to offend all men. But the thing is, you already have strong women in the Star Wars series. You have heroines. You have Princess Leia. I mean, look at all the other characters. These women were badasses. So I'm trying to figure out why. But, you know. You I imagine that they're, they're trying to bring this new character to then open to other stories. Oh, it's just all about toxic masculinity. With a third world war approaching, I'm all over toxic masculinity. <laughs> I want toxic males around me. But um, it just kind of, it's, that's what I'm saying. Why take from the book? It kind of detracts from the story, though. I mean, did this people did even read the story before they start being judgmental is what I'm asking. Well, they probably, probably what they all heard about. It's like, oh, they're looking for does to reproduce with. And, they, and they're just taking that. But if you go into the story, if you look at Strawberry, she is a strong, if it wasn't for her, they wouldn't have the Warren because she's the right. one that maps out the Warren. You have, um, Rail or whatever her name is, she's like a rebel situation, and right, you know, and then, but then, you know, the first female that we're um, introduced to betrays them anyway before they before they get run off. You know, she betrays Hazel, doesn't she? Because Hazel yeah. goes, "Come with us, come with us," and she goes and betrays them, and then they go chasing after them, and they, they have to go across the river to get away from them, and they kind of find out it was her that would betrayed them. So, I mean, the female roles in here are strong female roles and they're not just here, you know, they don't got their backside up and go breed me, breed me. So yeah. I don't, so I'm not quite sure where they get this, where they're getting this kind of, work. I think, I just think that anything that's considered a classic is under attack. So yeah. it's just the way it is now. It's just the way it is now. And to be honest, I think that we probably can learn more from this book than a lot of other books out there. I mean, this is, such a better book to read. I mean, if you're, you know, if you want to help save the planet, there's that message in this yeah. book. There's the message about how you need to treat each other with respect. That's in this book. The whole thing about, you know, you know, you know, forming community and looking after each other. And even basically to the point about how you have to, if you don't agree with someone and how to work that out for the greater good. That's well, it's all. just the long, it's sort yeah. of like, if you think about this and compare it, though, actually, when you think about Middle Earth, it's just a long, arduous, soul-sucking journey to get to point A to point B. And that's what this is. It's And I mean, and, and it's really, it is a lot of sadness. There's a few, you know, com comedic, you know, but it's mostly just starving, trying to get striving, trying to get to where you are. I mean, it, it could be about anything, you know, it could be about anybody or you know you could substitute dogs possibly i don't know but if, i mean it's, if i had it's children i would i would make this i would read this to my child as a bedtime story i would read it because at the end of the day this is what life is yeah this is down is probably it. more more dealing with real life than any of these other things that we're trying to be shoved down our throat these days what what yeah. uh, what constitutes a children's book because I would want my child to learn about life and strife and community 
and leadership and learn about, you know, learn about death. Because death is a part of life, you know. So we're not going to escape it. I mean, a lot of people just casually just know, know, but sadly, that's one appointment we're all going to keep. You know, but I mean, you know, and I think that's, you know, I think it's important. I mean, I think it's important to have Bambi and Finding Nemo and Up and things like that dealing with well, that. Well, this, this story, though, even when we get into it, we do the, the, the cartoon, but that was quite a precursor for Finding Nemo and all of these other Pixar stories of the, the adventure and the hardship come up. It was a real huge one. But I think at the book, not only was the movie banished everywhere, but the book was banished. It was like, wow. So, I mean, I get the movie, but the book, I guess was, I don't know. I didn't think it was, did you think it was really violent? I didn't really, I mean, there was fighting. I and think it was, I don't think it was any more violent than, I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of themes in this that we covered already in October or November when we did Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nymph. That's right. There's a lot of saying, the only thing that we don't have is we don't have the mystic, we don't have Jonathan coming from a lab you know, helping rescue the rats, and that's why they owe Mrs. Frisbee. But we do have that whole thing about she needs to be relocated, and and the politics that takes to relocate someone, and all that sort of stuff. Right. And um, so you know, and that I mean that was a theme, and again, this is a theme here is that we, you know we got a you know a community that needs to uproot and find find a new home, and I guess we you know, and I guess you know. With Richard Adams being in World War II, I guess, you know, this could be an allegory for Nazi Germany. Well, his friend was named in real life, I believe, from what I read, correct me if I forget, his name was Alistair in real life. And his friend was supposed to meet him at some point at the end of their war journey, and he never came back. And you can see that so reflected in the book. I mean, if you read about the author, the book makes so much sense. So much sadness, you know. I mean, a lot of good stuff in there. He was a really cool guy, actually. But I mean, he, the war really affected him when he lost people. And I mean, it was a horrible, tragic thing. But isn't this about war as well? The war well, yeah, you, take over. Well, you, see, you see it when um, here they are at the very beginning. You see it. It's like when you know, it's like, oh, we need to leave. Yeah, you know, we'll be fine. I mean, you can take a gory like when you look at you know the Jewish people in Germany and in Poland at that time. And they, it's like they couldn't believe anything bad is going to happen to them. They didn't leave, even though the, there were signs there, but no one wanted to listen to the signs. Well, no, we're doing fine here. And of course, by time, by time everything hits, it's too late. But you did, but you did have the select few that left, and everyone's like, "What the hell are they leaving for?" Yeah. You know, so you did have that, and you know, and the whole thing about like leaving a war torn area and trying to find a home and finding acceptance and that, and, and that echoes in this as well. You know, yeah. you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about refugees who are all young, able-bodied men and coming across in a boat. It's like, come on, okay. <laughs> we're the women, we're the women and children. But yeah. I'm not talking about them. But I'm talking about people who, you know, who do <laughs> escape. Yeah. Well, they are. Well, but they weren't real. Well, they did have one. No, they did it. Was it all boys when they set out? Well, this is all boys. But the thing is, the reason why they were is because. You know, they asked the does to come, but the does wouldn't come. So I mean, that's right. A, they wanted to stay in the war. There was one that wanted and, to and, go. And, one ran out of one wanted to go. Yeah, 
And so they get ratted out by a doe situation. So, but, you know, but when they go to the other place, which they think was going to be like heaven, you know, where they get to taste carrots for the first time and stuff like this, yeah. then that's when Strawberry goes, can I go with you? And that's yeah. when first doe. And then she, cause she's running away because she realizes that, that basically they're just there to be farmed. Yeah. For, for well, that's right. Because that's what they were going to do. They were feeding them well, but they were going to eat them. They were just part of the supplemental dinner list. Yeah. <laughs> like, because the snares, wasn't he putting up snares in the book? Were the snares uh, or something? Well, yeah. Well, butter, what's his name? I keep forgetting his name. Butterfield. I actually have the list up for it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of rabbits. In the years. A lot there's of rabbits. a lot, a lot of rabbits, and I can't remember all their names. Um, big wig. Big wig. There's Captain big wig, King. Yeah, big Blackberry. Wig Blackberry. He get, but big wig's the one that gets caught in the snare. So. Okay. 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 Because you remember, he goes, it goes. If you guys are gonna go, you go. Oh, that's I, right. That's right. Go back to the war, and I will kill you. That's right. You know, you're always, you know, you're like you're you're always finding the worst in every situation. <laughs> so you're not coming back. So and then it gets caught in the snare, and of course that changes everything. So, but the whole thing, but that community thing, that kind of reminded me a little bit of the lottery, Shirley Jackson's the lottery, where yeah. you know they go, you know, oh he's stuck in the snare. It's his time. If he goes, the rest of us are safe. Yeah. You know, and he, and he, and the thing is, you kind of see that in, in society as well. You know, it's like, you know, it suddenly came down, and if we're gonna, if we can sacrifice one person to give us one more day, we will do that. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, yeah, I guess, I, I guess when you're getting your face with, you know, dying and in, in large numbers, you'll throw anybody under the bus to save your ass. <laughs> well. And I have to sit there and say there's another theme in the book, which I was quite surprised at, is the Warren that, you know, they're trying to escape from and they're trying to rescue people from and, they're, and they eventually have to siege them. Um, that is the whole thing about fear. And isn't that what we live in today is this category of fear. So like, so we can be, so we're being controlled by this fear that the government gives us. Yeah. And, they have this, and they have this reflect in the book, which is kind of bizarre looking at it from today's lens. You know, that thing, fear. You know, we're living this way and we're doing this because it, we're protecting you. So that way nothing can kill you. So we're taking away your rights. So that way yeah. you're, and, you know, we get and how it. easily people conform. Yeah. And if you did, and if you did fight against it, what, you know, what did they do to him? I mean, they brought out the rabbit that they kept abusing and making yeah. lame. Look, this could happen to well, you. Was that the one that they had his ears ripped? Was it the, the beginning? Yeah, had his ears was, ripped and he was or lame. was that in the movie? I'm getting him confused yeah it was both but but um but, you know that ha we've got a huge bunny population out here behind my house that's all park that's never going to be built on and i mean the we got rabbits everywhere and they fight they actually do boy they're vicious the squirrels are vicious too. <laughs> like they, they everything well, about in my backyard think about rabbits is that if they get this is what's kind of weird growing up on a farm what happens in a rabbit colony anyway is that which they don't cover in the book, but, but in real life, no. if, if if there's too much rabbits in a one area, what happens is Mother Nature gives them this kind of rabbit flu thing that kind of wipes all of them away until about to about one percent, and then one percent live, and then of course they breed again and they grow because they do. I mean, there is that term of phrase breeding like rabbits because yeah. they breed and they do produce a lot. Well, they're rodents, you know. They they breed. They do breed. We, oh, cats do. I mean, well, I've 
some springs are really sparse for rabbits. Like, but the, this August, I see. I mean, this time of year, I see a lot of them get busy with winter coming. So there's a shit ton of them out here right now. Well, cats are the same way as well. It's like you have to be careful with cats, otherwise you just have to keep having kittens. Yeah, know, two or three, two or three times a year. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. And the funny thing is, is that our big boy spade or neuter, he's not doing anything. So. Well, cats and rabbits do, do, they look similar anyway. Like the hind legs of a cat are very much. Look yeah, like well, I don't know what you met, Jill, a long time ago when I was a kid, when I was more fucked up than usual. She really actually believed in, she had me sleeping in cabins, part rabbit, part cat. You know what? When, when you get to Texas, don't fall for the jackalope bullshit. Did you fall for jackalope in Oklahoma? No. Okay, don't fall for the jackalope when you come back to Texas. Well, I mean, <laughs> I fell for it even the fun times. Well, I, I mean, was so gullible uh, back then. Um, I mean, it's a uh, jackalope's a bit more hard because that, that's an antelope and a, and a jackrabbit mix. So that's yeah, a bit or hard. something like that. I mean, a, but a rabbit. But, the, but it's like Australia and Texas. We have weird animals here. So mm -hmm. I mean, when you first move here, it's like oh. You just don't know because everything will kill you in Texas the same way it will in Australia. <laughs> everything will kill you in the state. So when yeah. people start fucking with you, like, you know, I, I never fall for this, 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 the, what do you call it? Snipe hunting. Thank God I've never been snipe hunting. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, the cabbage or the cat, um, with the rabbit. In a way, right. I think, in a way, I, I mean, I know they can't breed together, but. They they do they do have similar features. Like if you look at the hind right. legs of a cat, a cat's like on its hind legs and the way it walks. Kinda, kinda, yeah. But, but when you but when they but if it's flat like a rabbit's, but right. they walk up on it. So I can understand why people would think that they could cross. I mean they can't, but but a jackalope, no. I mean I mean, can you see an antelope fucking a jackrabbit or a jackrabbit fucking antelope? It's just I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall. Um, yeah. I mean, I can see cab. I mean, at least at least rabbits and cats can are around the same size, so that makes a little. I mean, I can understand why people would think that, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it'd be like an elephant being fucked by a mouse. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I'll go into my life with that optic. Okay, I can imagine a lot in my mind. <laughs> Well, I guess what we should do is maybe let's rake Watership down. So on a scale of rabbits, how many rabbits do you give this, Leandro? Uh, three. Three cabots? Yes. Three cabots. <laughs> they multiply in the future, so it's all right. <laughs> Jill, if you're listening, I was traumatized for life. <laughs> for <a cabot. laughs> and how many do you give it, though, Vicky? Oh, I'll give it four. I actually like the book a lot. I should give it a five. I think it's a well done book. I love it. I think it's it's quite the experience. It could apply to just about any line, really. I think I'm gonna give it a solid five because I think it's one of those things that um should be read. I to, do. I think so too. 
I think it's a must read for to be read. I don't know if I should have a child read it on their own, but I think it's a good one to read to your child. It's kind then, of raw. It's kind of a raw novel. I mean, well, I think it's one that you can and actually that you can actually discuss after, like you can read a chapter and discuss it with your child's situation. I think it's go. Um, the only thing is, is because there's a large cast of characters that I think that you can't. It might be a bit confusing sometimes. So, but that's fine. Yeah. But I, I give it a solid five, actually. I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it was. And I thought it was going to be yeah. a lot more depressing than I thought it was going to be. Because I've been calling this month like depressing month for our books to screens. And I'm happy depressing to say. Depressing book to screen month. It's already gloomy and dark and rainy no matter what part of the globe you're on. And so you're trying to fucking depress us. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I was going to say, it didn't, it didn't depress me at all. And no, by the end, I, I was actually very touched by it, especially. Um, with it's a Hazel, nice story. Well, no, not a nice Hazel story. walking along the Black Rabbit and going into the afterlife. I really like that. So I thought that Plague was Dogs. I've got to read Plague Dogs. Now, when I was researching this book, that one kept coming up. I'm going to have to read that just for grins because that looks really good, too. Did you see any of the Plague Dog reviews? No. That was one of his other books. They made a cartoon out of that, too. What I would, what I want to do is they, what I would like to see, though, they did a new parody of this. On Adult Swim, yeah, and and it's called I know Robot Chicken did, and they did Robot a parody Chicken. book, but used and did it with using Fraggles. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh my God, I used to love Fraggles. So the main characters are all like Fraggles. <laughs> so I want to I want to see the Fraggle version of Watership Down. I think that'd be awesome. Oh my god, I used to watch Fraggle Rock all the time. I was really high back then, though. <laughs> I love Fraggle Rock. And it scares away. Where are we for it? Another day. I'm the Fraggle Rock. I'm the Fraggle Rock. Oh my god, it's scary. We share a brain sometimes. Okay. <laughs> And on that note, that brings us to Watership Down, <laughs> the film, which is a 1978 British animated adventure drama film written, produced, and directed by Martin Rosen and based on the 1972 novel. It was financed by a consortium of British financial institutions and was distributed by the Cinema International Corporation in the United Kingdom. Released on the 19th of October, 1978, the film was an immediate success and it became the sixth most popular film of 1979 at the UK box office. It features the voices of John Hurt, Richard Briers, Harry Adrums, Simon Caddell, Nigel Hawthorne, and Roy Kinnear, among others, and was the last film work of Zero Mostel as the voice of Kara the Gull. The musical score was by Angela Morley and Malcolm Williamson. Art Garfunkel's hit song, Bright Eyes, was written by songwriter uh, Michael Batt. It was garnered a cult following. It's important to note that um, the TV show... Oh, here we go. Watership Down was developed a reputation as distressing children, with Ed Power of The Independent describing the film in its 40th anniversary retrospective as a classic, but which arguably traumatized an entire generation. 
2016, the British broadcaster Channel 5 faced criticism after broadcasting the film in a pre-watershed slot on Easter Sunday, which was seen to be in poor taste due to the film's representation of violence inflicted upon rabbits. And with many media expressing concern about child viewers being distressed, though it is unclear whether any child were actually negatively affected. Despite the criticism, Channel 5 has continued to show this every Easter Sunday <laughs> at an earlier time around lunchtime at 1 p.m. for the last eight years and said it will continue to do so until every child has seen this film. So oh we're going to do God. cut to the trailer of Watership Down and be right back. Oh, my God. I've got to see you guys laughing so hard. That was so fun. Easter Sunday. I did not know that. It's a beautiful day. All is calm and peaceful in the meadow. Or is it? If you look closely, very closely, you'll discover a whole new world with a world of difference, full of exciting adventure and desperate conflict. We've got to go away from the Warren, all of us. Go away? Yes, before it's too late. Is there something wrong? What's he on about? They're coming. A world of ruthless tyranny and brave rebellion. I'll settle with you myself, bigwig. Come on and try, you crack-brained slave driver. A world of incredible courage and mortal fear. A terrible thing is coming. What do you mean? The field. It's covered with blood. A world which bears a very curious resemblance to our own so-called human world in many ways. You're all under arrest. Under arrest. What do you mean? What for? Spreading dissension, inciting to mutiny. Watership Down, the best-selling novel, which has been magically transformed into the most unusual and provocative film you're ever likely to see. What are you doing out there? I've come to let you out. Will you come with us? We're mm -hmm. right here. Yes. There he goes. <laughs> Listen to me, you bunch of mole snouted muckraking. Can you run? Watch this. See? You stupid bunnies! Perfect. with a thousand enemies and whenever they catch you they will kill you let them go it's that chief bigwig i'm after i'm from a warren where life is free trust me 
We can escape, believe me. Yes. Take a glimpse into another world, and you'll never look at a meadow again without remembering Watership Down. Hello, welcome back to the Literary Life Podcast. We're discussing Watership Down from 1978. So, Vicky, what are your thoughts of the film, Watership Down? Oh, my God. I, well, I loved it. I did actually watch the Netflix version, too, because I didn't know that they made it. There's actually a, a really cool four-parter, I think, on Netflix that does the whole story. Really, It's just really beautiful. It's not like The Lion King getting all fucked up when they did the animation for that. They actually did a good job with the rabbits in this animation. Yeah, you know, make I, it look I, I, kind I of realistic. That. You know what I'm talking about? Because they actually had facial expressions and the stuff that I hated about the new Lion King so much. They actually figured that out with the one on Netflix for Watership Down. But the cartoon, I guess, yeah, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know. I'm just maybe into traumatizing small children. I always loved the cartoon, even when I was young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't understand why my mom wanted to turn it off, but I just think that maybe because that she listened to all this crap where it would traumatize me, so why she didn't want me to watch it. But it was required reading. Yeah, it was required. You know? uh, yeah, it's, it's mandatory reading in America. I mean, so, I, have, I mean, I've yeah, been reading I, in about eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. About eight or ninth for me. Yeah. But, um, but, the, but the cartoon, I mean, it was. It was like watercolory kind of cartoon. It wasn't bad, but it was reminiscent of that 1978, right? Right. I want to say 1978. Yeah. Like when they did The Hobbit, the Baskin. Yeah, they did that too. Yeah, it's like that. Same, or even kind of the last unicorn kind of animation, which is yeah. something you don't see too much, which I hold and it's endearing to my heart because I grew up and that's what I associate with actual cartoon and entertainment, really, you know, <clears throat> or old Disney, things like that. But this one, this was really kind of a raw cartoon. It, it shows the blood and the scratching. And you know, the part I actually thought was more traumatizing and what I didn't catch it the first time. I actually really didn't catch it till I was watching it again yesterday. But the, the rabbits are all getting gassed in the movie and they're trying yeah. to get out of the burrows. And that is probably a fucked up thing for a kid to see because I guess they actually do that. I've never witnessed anything that awful. But I mean, as far as to start out the cartoon, you want to talk about, I, I don't know whether they were going, but I guess they did that in the book too. But again, it goes back to war and the atrocities of war and, and they, things like that. And it well, represented it. I think they did them because if we, if we remember the rats and nymph, weren't they gassing the rats there as well? Yeah, they, they did the, gas the rats, didn't they? Yeah, maybe, they did. Maybe that's, that's a thing. What, maybe that's a thing. Well, I mean, we just got done with the, well, the, the author just had finished the, the you know, the oh, war. And I mean, yeah. they were gassing Jews left and right, not to mention Russians and anybody else, Polish, was just Jews. Yeah. But I mean, I was wondering if that had an affiliation in the film with the book. Or maybe they just wanted to make sure that just got across. Because the director, the original director, was the one that did the pretty mythological stuff in the beginning, you know, where the fourth frith and how the sun god became the rabbits, you know prime mover and everything else and then <clears throat> then that guy got got kicked off the movie or the director didn't he the animated director um, and they put somebody else in there to finish it but he still did a great job but yet the animation is definitely centric of that 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 time especially for me and you we remember maybe Lombro remembers some of it I mean, I have to, I mean it has a 
it's kind of the the film is kind of a weird thing because it has kind of because the way it's animated, it's kind of got this dreamlike feel about it. It's pastelly, you know what I'm thinking. You know what I mean by pastelly? It's pastelly. I can't think of another word. Yeah, but then it's set against the mean rabbits looking meaner, horrifically mean. It's like you know, oh, yeah, like they got blood like, and scars. Like, you know, they yeah. salivate. They yeah. all look rabid, 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 rabbits. Oh my God, what was that? That cart? What is that? Rabbits? What is that? Rabbit something. Oh my God, Asher makes me watch that stupid thing all the time. Rabbit, rabbits. I think it's actually a cartoon. <laughs> it is. Oh my God, I'll send you a video of it. It's funny as hell. Yeah, but I have. You know, it's like. I mean, um, I mean, I can't. What I don't quite understand is that I didn't find this any more horrific than I found Bambi. No, actually, well, see, the, I guess the difference is the opening sequence is well, the opening sequence is harrowing. That's yeah, it's harrowing. I think once you get past the opening sequence, I think I the think opening was, sequence is the worst for me. Like all the rabbits being gas, and they're all trying to run. That was run, bad. That was bad. Breath and but see, yeah. I didn't know that they were being. I mean, it took me a couple watchings to figure out that they were being gassed. It, it, yeah. I didn't realize. That man, well, that was Fiber's dream, wasn't it? Yeah. Something bad was coming, and then you have the trees, and then you see the trees baning out their shadow into the ground, which means they were going to gas the rabbits. So, yeah. I mean, if you just got to kind of, you really can't get up and leave and, for some yeah. of it. You've got to watch. Hills, the hills are filled with blood. The hills are filled yeah, with blood. Yeah, that too. Yeah. It's it's like regular, it's like war and dominance and pissing contests, much the same as we have right now, but yeah. only it's in cartoon form. Sadly, I mean, I think I mean, I quite. I mean, I saw the Netflix series as well, and I noticed the Netflix series kind of steered away from that opening. They kind and of it just, steered away from a lot of the blood too. It wasn't near as violent as the cartoon. And I, it know, wasn't. I, there was hardly any blood. It was just insinuated, kind of. Yeah, the violence yeah. was more insinuated. Well, this one, you kind of feel the the claw going across the fur. Yeah. You got that because I mean, it kind of you kind of got that in close up in this. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was horrible when they were like the the other rabbits uh, biting the the ears. Mm. Yeah, that yeah, was, that uh, was their way of punishing. And I imagine that I don't know if you if you think like kind of like for a rabbit, what makes it like the characteristic are the ears. Mm. And imagine you like destroy oh. that. I think we also forget about rabbits that they're they have really sharp claws. Uh, well, I didn't know that they have like I don't know they they could be uh, fighting a lot. Where where I used to work, where I work sometimes still, uh, we have um this place has a big window you can see all outside, and there is all rabbits going around, and I have noticed that some that they're chasing one each other, you know, like fighting or playing. But then sometimes what they do is like they pee each other. So one goes on, on near the other. They jump in the air, but they pee while they're doing that. I don't know. I imagine that it's like to... Dominance, probably. Yeah. Marking like domain of the place or something like that. Probably the men peeing, out, peeing on other men. I can't see the women peeing on each other. <laughs> It's like, Phenomenal it's like a man, like a man no, thing. It's, no, probably, it's probably the male rabbit. I imagine, I imagine that... <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't know male rabbits like being peed on. Is there something I missed? Well, I mean, if you look at like cats, I mean, cats um will spray and mark their territory. Oh yeah, rabbits if you if you want if you want to keep a fox out of your garden, you should you sh a male a man has to pee on the perimeter to keep foxes out of their garden. I'm gonna have to tell Scott to start pissing all over the yard next spring. <laughs> <laughs> it, it keep, it keep, but it keeps the animals away. But it has to be male urine. This can't be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've got a male. I just need to start peeing oh. all over my garden. <laughs> yeah, so it has to be you know, so it's probably male rabbit urine. So I imagine they're urinating on each other males unless they're yeah, you could buy anything yeah, at home be careful, okay well you're doing the the, the the next podcast will be done for, from you from the jail <laughs> i could know well actually i could go to lowe's and buy coyote urine and i don't know why these things come across my facebook feed but coyote urine and other other forms well, of yeah because it keeps it keeps um it keeps pests out of, it keep, it'll keep rats oh, away yeah absolutely rats and stuff like that that's the I reason mean, i just I don't, don't know why it's advertised on my facebook feed that's all not like I look this shit up, you know. It's like I mean, the they, algorithm. I mean, they they say here in England because we there's a huge fox problem that if you want if you don't want foxes in your garden, you just have to pee. And I told um my friend at work, and she goes, I got I have a fox problem because they're always in my garden and they're and, and, and foxes foxes have a distinct odor about them. They're very cute and stuff like that. And, you know, they're they are cute, but they do have an odor about them, and you have to be careful because once they're in their garden, then they you know, they can kill your grass and stuff like that because Yeah, well, it'll totally rip up your grass. So um I saw that she goes, I don't know. I go, Well, just get your husband to go out there and piss along the fence. She goes, She thought I was kidding. I go, No, just do it. She she so she did it and they stayed away from the garden because they're because that because the male marking their territory. So yeah, I'll have to have to get Scott out there in the middle of the night, piss all over my friggin' tomato plants. You and your advice is To be honest, it's not going to take much. I mean, being a guy, I could tell you that it's a lot of fun to pee outside. Yeah, apparently, because I catch him doing it all the time. It's like the bathroom's right over here, dude. I don't know why y'all do that shit. It's like y'all piss outside like a bunch of meth heads. We, get... we have to mark our territory that this is our thing. <laughs> That's about right. So it's true, y'all do it. But, um, but uh, yeah, I found the animation. I mean, and I like I like the way the the sequences are done, like in a strobe light sequence as well. I thought it was kind of bizarre, but I liked it. But you know, it like when there's a fight, I like... don't know how to explain it. It's like watercolor animation. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like. It was better than what you see, but it's nothing like you see. Well, I mean, it kind of you kind of could see it. Almost like in not the Fox and the Hound, but um, like uh, Arthur the the oh God, what is it? Robin Hood, the Bob, Walt Disney's uh, Robin Hood. Yeah, when they kind of went down back, they were kind of backsliding with the animation right around then, mm. you know. And I mean, that's what it kind of the animation kind of reminded me, kind of like that, but it was a little more flary and colorful. It I felt guess. like TV, it felt like a TV and a made for TV movie that was animated in a way. This water maybe up. kind of sort of, but not for 1978. Apparently, I didn't know they were showing it on, on Easter every morning. I never watched the Watership Down on Easter. Well, that's a Channel Five thing, apparently, and because people complain now, they do it. Every, people complain on social media now; they do it every year. <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me up so bad. Just like, yes, it probably did traumatize some children. I'm sure fluffy little well, bunnies. You know the thing is though, what I thought was important about when you know when I read that is that 
people saying that it traumatized children, though there is no evidence that any child was traumatized. I survived our tax drowning, didn't you? Well, yeah, um, Bambi's death, I sort you know, I survived when I was younger. Um, Old Yeller, I survived when I was younger. You know what it would have been a great coupling of this? Maybe we can even do this with Joe just for shit's sake. We could do Watership Down and Night of the Lepus. Well, what I have been noticing is it's really interesting what you said, but they say like you know they're complaining because they could disturb um the children, and I think in a point this is all like I have been noticing that it's like a kind of like society trying to protect um children for not I mean. I don't think if you read this book, and then I think work, that they had the best of intentions. I don't. I can't find a way how can can be traumatized because it's, if you think it's like when you watch Bambi and right and the the or the Lion King and the, and the, the dad died, right? I think no one will get traumatized for that. But then the thing is like, okay, you try to put the 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 children down like in a bubble, and then when they hit reality outside, when they like start to grow up. Well, he can't because they, can't, they can't deal with things. The, the, well, the problem basically is when you put your child in the bubble, then what happens is they dye their hair this blue-green color, and then they go on TikTok and make stupid arguments about there's how pitiful <laughs> their lives are. Um, and that's problematic. I mean, the thing is, is death is a part of life. I mean, the reason why, I mean, to be honest, the reason why we give our children pets is so that when that pet dies, they'll have an understanding of what death is. If you if you want your child to understand what death is quicker than the death of a dog or a cat, you get them a goldfish, and they'll understand what death is like within a week. <laughs> yeah. Oh one, my god! One of those goldfish from the uh, that, you, that you win at the from um, the fair yeah. from the fair. Get them from the fair. What is it? The duck pond. They got those poor little fuckers all in those little baggies, all them samurai fighting fish. It's yeah. so cruel. It really is. And they're, then, you know, they're, they're dead. They're dead within twenty four hours. They're, yeah, they're belly up. As soon, they're belly up as soon as you get them home. Yeah, they well, are. It doesn't help that they, they, they give it to your child. And your child's bouncing it up and down. <laughs> <laughs> what was that in Finding Nemo with the fish? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? I think what it is is like maybe for the time it could have been maybe a little. You know, a little rough on kids because you know, we grew up that, in a different world. We did. We're yeah, desensitized, I, especially. But me. What I find funny is that the complaints about this for traumatizing children was from 2015. When the movie came out, there's nothing about us being traumatized by seeing this movie in the 70s or 80s. It's just now. And I think that, I think as what Leandro was saying, that if you if you protect your children too much, you're probably doing a very big disservice to them. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's, that's, that's what I think. It's like, then, for me, it's like, then, I don't know if you have noticed that now there are a lot of people, like, suffering from, like, depression and really young age. And I think it's because the the result of this thing. No, no, no. They shouldn't be exposed to this information because it's too... Um, like brutal, and maybe something that is happening in nature, right? That it, that it, that probably if they will be seeing that as it is, with someone explaining why that thing happened and all that, right? Then they can then build it up and then get it the idea and then carry on rather than then, I don't know, 
I, I think I mean, that I agree with you. I mean, the thing is, the best thing to do is watch it with your child, and then if they have any questions, have a discussion with yeah, them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, not, not showing it at all is 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 not the solution. But the, with the video games kids have had since 2010, I find it really hard to believe that Watership Down is freaking yes. out the population of children. Well. My question, my question now is what what are parents doing when the news is on? Because that's more traumatizing. Oh than my that. god, you see Texas news, especially with our border problem. I mean, I wouldn't let we, my daughter doesn't want Asher to watch the evening news because it's so horrific here in Texas. It's the I mean, news is horrific everywhere. I mean, got CNN's 24 hours, the BBC right, news, right. um, and the thing is. There's always a 12 o'clock noontime news, and there's always a six o'clock news. So, what you're so you're saying that your kids are never seeing that? Yeah, they were shown Vietnam on Walter Cronkite. We were kids. Well, we had that one where the um little they're dropping napalm, and you had that little girl screaming, running down the middle of the street. I yeah. remember that as a kid on the yeah. news. So I'm look, just saying, look, I will give you an example more more like that happened to my family, right? For example, when my when my dad died, right, two thousand and eighteen, right? My niece, uh, she was six, seven, something like that. Well, any of these, my nephew and niece were were taken to the funeral, right? Now my 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 uh, after that in time. My my niece now um is suffering from sometimes from panic panic attacks or for example, she doesn't want to go to sleep because she's scared that when when she wakes up a member of the family could die. So the next well, thing, how old is she? Well, now she's eleven. She's eleven. I could see where that would be upsetting for a young child. But this, but when my dad died, she was five. Five or six. Uh, bless your heart. At the same time, the question basically is: is that someone sit down with her and explain anything? Well, the thing they is, just take you to a funeral, and go, "Daddy's dead" or whatever. Well, and the they kind of just like, leave it. They were, they were not taken to the funeral because they have to like they thought it was going to be too much. Oh yeah, so she's stressful the for them. And I said to I, that's this is what I'm meaning. That's what I said to my sister. So look, I think you made a mistake on not taking them. For two reasons. One, they, they were not able to say goodbye to a body. Yeah. Right? Two, if they would have gone with you, you can explain to them what's going on yeah. rather than for a mind of a kid. Okay, so I used to see granddad. Now I don't see granddad anymore. I don't know where he is. I don't know what happened. No one is telling me. Everyone is, is uh, hiding. And I think in a mind that you don't know what's going on, you, you feel that with whatever you can and probably won't be something good. But I said to my sister, well, look, it's not my place to to start to talk to her out from nowhere about all this. I probably will do it one day when if she asks me or we sit down on the, on the subject or she asks something. But this what happened when I was between, I think it was four or five, I think it was four. Someone, I remember that someone in my, um, the family died. And my dad said to me, look, my uncle has died. Would you like to come to the funeral? I couldn't understand anything. So was, he said, well, come with, come, with, come with me. So we went. I remember we went to the funeral. My dad said, well, do you want to say goodbye to him? And I said, okay. So he, 
I was really like small, right? He lifted me up, and I saw a man on a on like sleeping with two coins in the eyes. I said, "Well, look, if you want, you can give him a kiss, and you can say goodbye." I said, "Okay, goodbye." Uh, this is bad. The Italian families—they torture you yeah. guys. Yeah, well, but, but the good thing for for me is like my dad was with There's me. The coin they bust the candy with them. <laughs> my dad was with me all the time, and he was explaining what was going on. And yeah. I was not feeling scared because I was I was with him, and I never have any problem to then, like, understanding what was going on. And I, right. I like you you live it like naturally. Although okay, something sad, someone died. It's not it's not a party, but I think that if if you if they take you take you apart, it's like you don't know anything about. And right. if nothing will happen. We will be ha has been happening. We will have it happens. It will be coming, carry on happening because we are human and we die at a point. So I mean, I think I mean I grew up on a farm, so I was I grew up with death around me anyway. So you have that on a farm situation. Um, but I remember in school when I was in kindergarten, I still remember this that there's this girl. I don't remember what she looks like at all, but I remember her name. Her name was Mary. And her, her and her family got in a car accident and she died. And I remember my mom sitting down with me and goes, you know, Mary, you know, your little friend from school, she won't be at school anymore because they got in a car accident. She died and da-da-da. And I remember being five and I still remember that conversation, you know. And then, you know, I, I remember, you know, I remember I remember crying. Um, I, mean, I don't know if, if I had depression or it lasted for weeks. I, all I remember is crying after she told me, my mom telling me and explaining it to me. And that's all I remember, but I still remember it. But it kind of, you know, but I the thought. The older you get, the more you're surrounded by death. I can't even tell you how many people I've Oh, I'm, I'm lucky. Years. I'm getting to the point where it's like, you know. It's, you I don't know, even cry anymore. I can't even get by a day without somebody I grew up with on television or film dying now. Oh my God, David's <laughs> soul died. It's just like, what the hell? I didn't even know he was sick. Well, that he's was I mean, but he was eighty years old. Yeah, but yeah, eighty is not that old anymore. Not that, but it's not that old. But I gotta, you gotta remember that anything after seventy is icing on the cake. Yeah, I guess you're right. That you if you look at aunts and uncles and cousins, I mean, I got, I got. I've got. I think I had someone. I someone I went that was in my class died of cancer this year. Well, I mean, last year now. You know, well, the older becomes part of life because, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just hoping I'm one of those people that dies somewhere in the middle of all of everyone I know. Then someone who's, who's last one left. I don't want to be the last one left. You know, nobody. <laughs> but, but I think is, but death is a part of life. I mean, yeah, and I think it's important that. You know, kids understand that, and I think if you do, as you said before, if you shelter them from that part of life, it's like, you know, you're not setting them up for life. I mean, your your job is your your job is to set them up for life. I think kids have been so protected from shit so much they don't even have a core of reality anymore in some instances. And I mean, I I mean, I'm not saying let them go out and play Grand Theft Auto and get all the good trophy stuff with all the hookers, and the blowjobs, and all that neat shit that comes with all the cheats. But, but you know, I'm just Grand saying, just generally, don't <laughs> shield kids. Well, I mean, I mean, most kids think that life is over at 16. Life hasn't even begun to fuck them in the ass yet. You know, so why think, totally? Totally. I think that I think that's I think that's every generation though, because I remember being 16. Not 17. like this one. Not like this one. 
Yeah, but I remember, being, no, I'm just saying, I remember being 16, 17 and thinking that 21 was the death. Oh, yeah. I thought, be, I thought 21 would be the bomb. I'll be an adult. It's going to be great. Real. See, I, I, just, I just remember, like, I just remember growing up and then seeing teachers and thinking they were really old and come to find out. And then when you look back, it's like, they actually were like 22, 20, between 22 and 24. They thought they were really well, I, was, old. I was talking to somebody the other day ago about women and the aging process. Women, my age, you had all the helmet hair and shit 40 years ago. They looked older than my age. Women yeah. do not want to do the older looking helmet hair. We got leggings now and long hair and Botox. It's you know, we are going out with a fight. It's just like people are like, what the fuck? It's like, yeah, we didn't have that back then. Yeah. I mean, look at the Golden Girls. They were my age. I know they were. I, know. I mean, look at, well, look I, at I, how they made them look. When I was when I was watching you know, the first couple episodes and they're talking about like it's, it's Blanche's birthday and she's going to be 50. I was like, what? Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. 50 something. Yeah. She was like 50, 50, not even 50, 50. 50 my god but you know so yeah for, so for as far as watershed down is concerned it's like i don't see where it's I, to be honest i really don't see where we're traumatized and i i, I mean I maybe what, two or three they wouldn't understand why they had rabbits or pulling the other rabbits i think we have to be worried about the people who worry about thinking that this could be traumatizing those are the people you have to be be careful yeah with. all the karens in the world i think we always have to be worried about all the karens in the world there's so many of them too. And they come in all colors. Quit blaming just the white bitches for it. There's our Karens in every race. Yeah. All blaming white women. <laughs> same, people, same people who think that their child's going out there watching Snow White's going to get a, a, a Cinderella, a Disney princess complex. But, oh my uh, God. You know what? The Disney princess thing, that's what they should have never done to us girls because we really raised on fairy tales the white knight, the white horse. The but did you? But. No, that they did not tell us what a bunch of suckholes dating was going to be about. Yeah, you know? but, but I, I mean, honestly speaking, because I have a lot of female friends, and I know right. my, I have my sisters and stuff like that. I grew up in a female household, and I don't, I never had a female friend through my whole life while I was growing up, and today, and so on and forth. Did I ever thought that some man was going to come and rescue them ever? Well, I didn't think no one was going to rescue me, but it was a nice romantic notion that really it's, wasn't it's true. But it's a romantic notion. That's all it was. But I don't know if anyone actually took that as that. This is a I actually know people that thought that Prince Charming was going to show up for most of their life and they're still waiting and they're almost in their mid-60s. So, yeah, but doesn't that mean that they're just fucking retarded? I mean, uh, yeah, sorry, mentally deficient? Yes, there are there's a lot of mentally deficient people out there. Yes, that well, is then they're saying like if you, I mean, the thing is, it's a fairy tale. It's a bit like if you're gonna believe that, then you're gonna have to. Then what are you gonna believe that if you carve a boy out of wood that if he he'll come alive at some point and become a real boy? I don't you know. know. It depends on what your your witching circle is like. You know, you never know. But I'm just saying that it's kind of like spirit. you know what. So you're gonna believe this, but yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's fairy tales. It's not, and the thing is, it's just so, what they represent. It represents. But, he, but even if, but even what they represent, the thing is, they're they're fairy tales. It's not. It's not. Well, fairy like, tales in and of themselves are pretty gruesome, as we both know. So, but, I mean, not, but the thing is, they're not documentaries about real life. No, they're not. What I think that uh, <laughs> this is like 
He's like, he's like, <laughs> there's I'm going to try to say that little girls watch this shit and they think that there's a great guy out there for them someday when they're all a bunch of fuck-alls. Okay? Well, no, I, was, I was thinking this way. It's like, they will think, I think that thinking that is a, like a prince that's going to come and uh, look for you, that's too, too much. I, oh, but yeah. I like, indirectly, you are, the people could think, okay, how would being love could be? Because yeah. maybe until that until it happens, you don't know. And then you could imagine, well, maybe maybe it's like in the movies, maybe like what oh this idea that yeah, the but the thing and is, then you leave it the, and then you realize that it is not like that. The movie that the movie wrong. ends when they get married. No one sees what happens after the marriage. Yeah. yeah. I but, mean reality sets John, in after the fucking honeymoon. Let me tell you, bills, babies, bullshit, mortgages. <laughs> Yeah, even 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 the things that they do personally that you that that might have been cute when you saw them for an hour a day, but now that you're living with it, it's no longer cute. Like the, you know, the way that they pick it. Non-existent sex life because you're too tired. <laughs> but, but, well, one of the things that I really like about is like when I when I watch it, I don't know if you have seen Maleficent. Yeah. And how Maleficent starts, I love yeah. it. Because yeah, it started with the, the Disney thing, you know, with the bridge and everything. And then it's say, okay, this is all the fairy tale story that you have ever seen. And then the camera flips like that and say, okay, now I'm going to tell you my story. And then go back to the other direction. And I love Maleficent. That's one I of my really, favorite movies. And I really like that because in a way it's say, okay, all this, all this shit story about the princess and all this. Okay, now they come come and leave the story how it is. And if you go and read all the Grimm's brothers, I think, uh, stories, all these, the, the Disney took it and make it a, a fairy tales. They were not fairy tales at all. Like, for example, Cinderella, the sisters were chopping their fingers to be able to enter in the shoe. Yeah. That was more, more, more realistic, you know, and more like, I think, like, I think it was cool, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, not, I mean, I, what I find that women, you know, generally speaking, who are sitting there waiting for their Prince Charming to show up and they've been ruined because of this perfect man. But what they don't realize is that first Snow White and Cinderella and all the Disney princesses to get what they want, they had to sacrifice something. And the thing is, they always had to be, they were always try to be good. They're always good and they never thought about themselves. Snow White never once thought about herself. Cinderella never once thought about herself. And then these women who's gonna are people who are like so self-involved and so narcissistic about themselves. It's like no one's gonna want you. If you want to take the whole Disney princess thing, why don't you be like Snow White and basically give yourself and do stuff for other people and be kind and nice and you know and stop doing things just because it benefits you. <laughs> Cinderella's evil sisters and the evils. I mean, she was the best evil evil whatever. I mean, Cinderella, the stepmother. Yeah. stepmother. She was really vile. She did. They really portrayed her good. Now that I think back, you know, in my memory of how she looked and how mean she was, and just her whole countenance. But I mean, it, it, I'm just saying. But if you look at, but you, I mean, but you, if you just look can't at Cinderella. protect children from everything. There are realisms in life. People die. I mean, you know, I mean, just this is life. I mean, I mean to I, not prepare them for things coming is kind of 
going to traumatize them even more, I think, in the long run. But I mean, the messages I take away from Snow White and Cinderella basically is that there might be horrible things happening around you and to you, but the best right. thing Try to make the best out of it and be nice to other people and be good. Even those freaking cunts that were her sisters and stepmother. No, she, but I no, I mean, so. yeah, but the thing is, is what happened is, is that, you know, she finally was able to break away situation. Yeah. And then she had to take off at midnight and he had to come find her with yeah. a shoe that she dropped. That sexist, pretty little tiny shoe that would probably not fit any average woman on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, but you also have to remember that, you know, in the 1600s, you know, she's fucking lucky she has her, she still has her teeth. <laughs> yeah, she's probably lucky she doesn't have a beard and a mustache and all that other shit. I'm, you're probably but, right. But another thing is, is like, I mean, women couldn't own land until the 60s. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I remember my mother's credit cards. Remember the old MasterCards our parents had? And it was just the two circles, the yellow and the orange. That's how old it was. And it said Mrs. John R. Ray on it. It never yeah, said Lillian Ray. Yeah, it was she, she was a single woman. She couldn't have a credit card. No, you didn't know. Even back then, I remember. It was yeah. crazy. So women have had a bit of a, a, a trifle. But I mean, but when you but when you look at Snow White and all these, I mean, they take place in like the 1600s. <laughs> Like, yeah, well, 1500s. The only way to get out of your life is you have to marry a good man because otherwise you're kind of stuck, aren't you? Because It just cracks me up, though, that the, the sisters are so... Uh, they're like olive oil-ish. Uh, That's why I love the cartoons so much better than I do the, the redos. Oh, yeah, I just can't top the cartoons. Cool. But this cartoon... I, I didn't think Watership Down was nothing like a Disney cartoon at all. I don't no. even think Disney does. I mean, they do their weird stuff on their other... You know, the the adult channels kind of like with their heroes and stuff like John Cena for one. <laughs> but, well, I, think you know. I could see Disney like doing a, a watership down this kind of film nowadays, maybe. I could but, now. I can't but, see but, them doing but, it. But not in 72. I mean, 72. No, I don't see them doing it in 78. So this was kind of ahead of its time. This was an English production too, I believe, right? Yeah, it's be a British. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think, I mean, I think for, for what it stands for, I, I think it's amazing that they're able to get a book that's quite a thick book, being able to get it all. It's pretty big. But they have like 48 chapters, I think. But they got everything into the movie, about a 102 minute movie. They got everything in there. Well, you have to admit, though, I mean, I, I just think it's a well preserved story. And I think it definitely can translate into our generation, into this century, and, and even to other kids. I mean, it's just life. That that's just a struggle. That's just the struggles and the defeats and and the victories of life. It's what it's about. It's just, it's painful to watch, but it's just the way the world is. We don't live in a nicey nice place. It's survival, uh, even with our wallets and our cell phones and our Roku TVs. It's still about survival. You know, it has that message that yeah, okay, you're gonna fail, hit a lot of hardships, but if you do, you know. If you do work hard and you and you fight for your community and stuff like this, that you will get a some you do get it. They do get a happy ending in the end of it all. Through all yeah, that, even um, even though he dies and the, the great rabbit comes to get him, which I really thought was a nice thing that they they put in there that the like you know he's going to rabbit heaven basically, yeah. you know, and a very kind spirit came to retrieve his you know his soul, 
And I just thought that was kind of cool. And he told them, don't worry about it. They're going to be okay. You're going to have great grandchildren and great, 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 great grandchildren. Just like the, the all within a, all within two years, but all within two years, all within six months. But, <laughs> great, great grandchildren I mean, within two years. <laughs> well, yeah, time, I know you just never know how long it is. Bread. And they're all going to be inbred. They're all going to be inbred. <laughs> But I mean, it was a nice way to end it. After all the trials and tribulations, he finally gets his reward, you know. And it's a good reward, and I think I think that's an important message to have in there. So, and I then think... I mean, there is a happy ending. Of course, life and death goes on, but there's also birth and rebirth, and then there's the 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 Warren where they're all safe and productivity, and it's sort of like having a great country without a bunch of fuck ups running it, you know. And you know, and. Those those generations to tell other generations about him now keep him alive. Yeah, he'll be a legend. It'll be oral tradition. It'll be handed down, you know, okay. and it'll be part of their mythology. And there'll be the bloodline as well. His bloodline will carry on as well. So. Yeah, his bloodline will go on until we're gone, <laughs> and it'll keep one, going. One thing that came came to my mind is like, it's it's funny how humans we, we tend to think like. Rabbits are nice when we see it, you know, running in the, in the field. But imagine if you're going to build a house and then the rabbits are, are there and they were there before you, you would look those rabbits as they's like a pest or something that has to be controlled. I love our rabbits. I get, I, I chase my cat okay. down. I'm going to change it to something that happens here. Maybe Keith no, but I think you will know. Here they have badgers. Badgers? Right? Yeah. Badgers. We don't have badgers in Argentina. And I always wanted to see one. I have never seen one. I've seen. Don't corner one because they're mean. No, 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 I know. Well, <laughs> they are. They're fucking mean. Then, then people said to me, oh, no, badgers, they're really bad because they have. They can transmit a disease. I, I, I call bullshit. Them. They're not dirty animals. They're but just vicious. They said that they can, they can, for example, you know, bite some cows or, or I don't know, like. Animal farm. They must be talking about a wolverine because those are scary. No, they're talking about that if a badger bites something that they carry a, a disease and saliva. Well, oh, I've I, never known it. I've never heard of that. I can't remember Not the name true, of the though. disease right uh, now, but we have an uh, a vaccine that everyone gets when you are a kid in Argentina. So I thought, well, wait, right? why don't they all the people get vaccinated here and then you can leave the poor badger in peace, leave wherever they want? I've heard of that i'll have to look that up oh it, it's, it's a wise tale it's not true it's a wise tale they think it's a bit like um you know it's a bit like oh you can get you know there's certain things you can get from a cat or you can get something something from yeah. a dog but the thing yeah. is like yeah if, you, if you, something happens you if you eat cat feces yeah you will get something you have to eat fucking cat feces and as far as the badger concerning is like Oh, that's pregnant women and the cat feces. Now, now, now the problem is, is on the mainland, like France and stuff like that, you have to be careful of badgers and stuff like that. But that's not because of diseases; that because they sometimes can get rabies. They're vicious. No, they can get rabies. Oh God, yeah, that's probably but, what. But they, they don't. But they don't have. But the thing is, in the UK, they don't have rabies. Rabies is not a thing in the UK. Oh, you guys don't have it over there. They don't have rabies. So, oh, so okay. I think I think what people say that about like badgers, for instance, is because they're taking what the problem in Europe has rabies. So, but you don't. You have to get all your pets vaccinated. And um, and yeah, we have to every year here. So they're probably taking that that thing that badgers can like bite cows. And oh, course, Texas is horrible for hydrophobia stuff like that. It's awful to hear for for rabies. 
Yeah. Well, any, I mean, America, America, anywhere is bad for rabies sort of thing. Well, I mean, my, my cousin had to get rabies shots uh, from being bit by a fox in Shimo, New York. So, uh, Who did? My, my cousin back in the... In the seven, stomach, when they were doing them in the stomach yeah. back then? Yeah. yeah. So okay. And if wow. and if and if an animal if it, if you thought an animal had rabies you had to shoot your animal cut their head off cut their head it, off send it to get chested yeah, yeah they do chested. that here in Texas still yeah. so but um but you know but as far as animals are concerned I mean you know like foxes and for instance foxes in London I mean they're taking over but it's because we keep building wow up. did that much of a problem. Well, we're we're building, we're taking all their land away. We're building houses on where they yeah, live. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Where I mean, where do you expect them to go? There's just that's sad. That's, yeah, that's, but I mean, it's like hedgehogs. Um, little hedgehogs are becoming extinct now because of overbuilding. Oh no, not the little hedgehogs. But that's what people do. I mean, the thing is, is like you know, if you keep building and building, bulldoze everything, you get, you get, and you get rid of like all the country and the greenery and everything like that and keep building houses. I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen? Well, that's like, what that other, this story represents too. It's like, yeah, that people should sit there. Right people, not, don't get your, don't get your pets neutered. Get your children neutered. Help yeah. save the world. <laughs> there you go. Well, actually the little girl. <laughs> have you, you neutered grandchild today? <laughs> Well, at least the, well, the little girl in the book and the movie saved the other rabbit, you know, from the cat. Remember, the cat was going to yeah. kill him. So, so, but I mean, I think you know. I mean, I think I guess what we should do, probably do is write Watership down the movie. Yep. So how oh, many? How many? Five. Did you get? Five. Oh wait, I loved it. I I thought it was great animation. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the time, but it definitely translates well into my century. And what about yourself, Leandro? Um, four. Um, I didn't cry. They say everyone was saying, "Oh, you didn't cry. You always cry." You're going to cry? No, I didn't cry. Um, to be honest, there were parts. Maybe it was me that I couldn't understand what the rabbit was saying. Uh, but I don't know if this it was the sound of my my. Uh, TV. I had to watch it a couple times this path it just because to refresh yeah. my memory. I had a problem figuring out certain things too after a while. I couldn't figure it uh, back then. What was that black rabbit uh, going around? Now that you explain it, uh, yes, yeah, like someone is coming to pick you up to go to the other life. Yeah, so that's uh, nice. Um, I wanted to ask you some some things. Do you think that some of those rabbits were having a disease that why they're attacking the others like so aggressively? I think I think it's Richard Adams's way of showing that um, communities fighting against each other to okay. um, to for more control. I don't think they're talking about rabbits or rabbit diseases or passing anything like that it's it's a because, no, no, i've never seen uh, uh rabbits fighting so bad like they're like oh, they do they do though if you um you, you know what here we got huge jack rabbits and it's sometimes i haven't seen it in a while but if you turn your headlights on you can see two jack rabbits kicking the shit out of each other on a dirt okay. road they do get aggressive I, i've only seen that maybe once or twice in 30 years but they do it they okay. do do it 
I mean, another thing, another thing rabbits will do, like if you have like if you have pet rabbits, is that when their babies are born, they have to, yeah. they'll eat their young. So you show you still out there on the They'll eat the other rabbits' clutch, yeah. They will. Yeah, they'll eat all the they eat all the baby rabbits. So. They're cannibals, which I was really surprised they didn't talk about that in the movie at all. Where the book? Well, that would have been more traumatizing seeing that for for because rabbits <laughs> are cannibals. They are cannibals. But I got to get over. I'm sorry. I was laughing when you're reading it about the kids. They were showing it every Easter. I'm sorry, but my my bad humor. You know. It's like, no, I mean, are you serious? There's no, pr there's no proof that these children were traumatized either. Just, Does it, well, that, that's I mean, just that's a dumbass. A bunch of people that probably just went on and decided to just say something, but they probably don't even have kids themselves. But I mean, I'm going to give it a solid five. I think it's, I think, I think it's a really great movie. I think, um, you know, I think the Netflix series works very very well I as well i, I, I quite enjoyed that so i really enjoyed that as well so i but, thought it was pretty the netflix series is really kind of pretty to watch yeah and i think the reason why that worked outside of the lion king that didn't work is because they done it but they did it in a more realistic way but there's an animated feel about it so it wasn't like yes thank you that's exactly what i'm saying exactly okay. what i'm saying i think that's why that worked Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Our next books and screen will be The Wonderful Wizard of Oz from 1900, written by L. Frank Baum, and the film from 1939. And, of course, next week we'll be continuing our Batman coverage. We'll be covering four episodes, The Worry Man, Sideshow, A Bullet for Bullock, and Trial. Two for one, our two films will be The Iron Giant from 1999 and Monster House from 2006. And our anthology series will be continuing with Joe Randazzle's um, taking the lead. And we'll be covering Sin City from 2005 and Southbound from 2015. And, of course, Doctor Who will be continuing with the Daleks Master Plan and the Ark, which aired from the 13th of November to the 29th of January, 1966, and from the 5th of March to the 26th of March, 1966. So it's good night for myself. And good night, Leandro. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night, guys. And we'll see you next week for Batman the Animated Series. Is it a kind of dream floating out of the tide following the river of death down Oh, is it a dream? There's a fog along the horizon A strange 
So brightly, suddenly burn so pale. 